Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. We're back on the Lawn and Garden Journal and we're almost through May, and it's the May long weekend. And who would ever believe that the weather that we have, it's not traditionally our growing type of May weekend that we get all excited about. But I have to say, it does give you opportunity that if we can't get into our gardens, we can plan it. We could see it. Can you see it in your mind? Can you see the flowers coming? I do. I have faith that it's going to be there, and May will turn. It will turn, and we'll be back in our gardens after all of this rain is away. Yes, a little bit of rain is coming down, but May will resolve, and May will be an area where we can think about being in our gardens, and May is May. It could be hot, cold, and a little bit rainy. But just envision the May. Please listen. The time that hints the coming leaf when buds are dropping chafe and scale and wafted from the greening veil are pungent odors keen as grief. Now shad bush wears a robe of white and orchards hint a leafy screen while willows drop their veils of green above the limpid waters bright. New songsters come with every morn. The whippoorwill is overdue, while spice bush gold is coined anew before her tardy leaves are born. The cowslip now with radiant face makes mimic sunshine in the shade. Anemone is not afraid, although she trembles in her place. Now adder's tongue new glides the mold, the ferns unroll their woolly coils. And honeybee begins her toils, where maple trees their fringe unfold. The goldfinch dons his summer coat, the wild bee drones her mellow bass, and butterflies of hardy race in genial sunshine bask and float. The artist now is sketching in the outlines of his broad design, so soon to deepen line on line till June and summer days begin. Now shadow soon will pitch her tent beneath the trees in grove and field, and all the wounds of life be healed by orchard bloom and lilac scent. I can see the gardens. The leaves are soon going to be opening. Some have begun. In our minds, I, we will be in our garden soon. There's a little bit of rain happening here at the garden center, and yes, we've had a lot of rain lately, so... There is uh, some excess of piles around. I know that some of the areas in the country are experiencing a little bit more than usual. And soon we'll be back into our gardens. It's a little bit of a reminder because we always get a little bit of geese that like to venture back to our area here at the garden center. And this morning, as two of them greeted me at the front door, two of them also landed on the building above me and were giving me this little bit of a honk honk, thinking, hey, Are we ready to get going? Are we ready to get growing? Yes, it's soon. It's a stop and a pause. Yes, it's wet. 
But there is a little bit of directions with all this moisture that's happening. And it's something that maybe we should be talking about is how are the plants going to be faring with all this moisture? Well, they will survive. They will come through. But if there's a little bit of assistance that we can give some of our plants by maybe redirecting some of the douse spouts so that they're not dumping on some of our garden beds, give them the natural flow. So if you have a natural grade or a flow that's in your yard, if you can redirect some of that extra moisture into those areas, that is more beneficial. Now, there's also, too, a few reports of some of the trees that have been planted that have seemed to be popping up. The ground level of the water is going to be very high this year, and it's gone from one extreme to the other, where we just came out of two seasons of a very drought. There's a little bit of stress on some of our mature trees. There's a little bit of heaving, and especially just take warn if there's some older trees that are already in a little bit of a stress. Keep an eye on those trees, because with the excessive winds and the high level uh, of water, you may see some trees rocking. So just advise, it's always good to go out in the garden, take your cup of coffee or your tea, and sort of peruse around to see what is being affected by the elements that are around it. And it also gives us an opportunity too to see, sort of see how things are faring. If you haven't done a little bit of light pruning yet, there may be opportunity because a lot of the leaves are not quite open yet. There's a hint of green that's coming and everything is a little delayed because of the weather. Do you have any questions about the weather or things that are conducive? Because some people are actually going, are they, my perennials dead or my trees not doing as well? Well, just remember we're cold and we need that sustained heat to bring our plants back alive. That's on it. The lines are open, 1-800-374-3315, if you want to give me a shout. And it's amazing, too, that in one thought, maybe my plants haven't come back. Maybe they are not going. But in the other, yet other areas of my garden that are in a nice little microclimate, they're very sheltered. You can start to see the emergence of postings of tulips or some new emergence of plants that are coming up. And I have to say, one of them is my chive patch. For some reason, my chives are up like crazy right now. And a little hint of maybe some of my peonies are emerging. So it gives us that vision that things are going to come. And they're going to come soon. It's not our usual May long weekend where we've got our hands going and itching to be in the soil, but there is an assessment that we can do. We're always planning about how we can do things. So take the opportunity that if it's too wet to be in the garden, there's always things to do. Have you started your seedlings? There's a lot of you that have started your plants indoors that you can do a little bit of assessment. Maybe it's an opportunity that, ah, a little bit of trimming, a pinching, just to make them a little bushier for when they're ready to nestle into the ground. It is so much better. But I'd like to take a stop and a pause because when we're seeing that our trees and shrubs, and yes, maybe some perennials that normally would be awakening at this time, there is a lot of thoughts to thinking, did they survive the winter? And when we talk about plant hardiness, yes, we're in zone three, Sometimes at A or B within there, but there's the realization that some, even some hardy zone three plants may not survive through the winter, but it's too early to say whether they have succumbed to the winter or not. 
So there's little tips and tricks that you can do to see if there's actuality of if your trees or your shrubs are just slow, and yes, a lot of them are slow in coming, or have they need to be replaced, or is it something that could be trimmed off to new branches that are there? So with trees and shrubs, if they're not opening up yet, remember, trees and shrubs open up at different stages depending on the varieties of what they are and in their location of where they are. If they're in a more open location and they're uh, a little bit cooler that's on that stage and they're not, the ground has not warmed up as fast, they're going to be slow to emerge and their time frame for growing is going to be thrown off a bit. I like to do a little bit of a scratch test myself that's on it. I pull out my little pocket knife and I've been helping the guys in the nursery here because we're resetting our nursery with our trees and shrubs with all the semis that have been rolling in here. And to see at things, because we too get some things that are locally grown, brought into us, and they're in that dormant state. So it's not like getting something that's shipped off a truck that's come in from uh, BC that's looked lush and green. It gives us that color and that tease that we could see things. So if it's in your garden, pull out the pocket knife and you can go to some of the branches and do a light scraping of the cambium or the bark to see if you see that vibrant neon green that's underneath. Because it's the outer bark that tells you whether there's viability in that tree's structure's cells, whether it's going to come through through the winter or not. And yes, lo and behold, there's a few pots that we've been pulling through that we've over-wintered. And I do the little, aha, did it make it? And sure enough, the little jackknife comes out, I do a little scratch test, and there's viability down below. Now, when you see this, you can also test it and give it some time frame because as it slowly emerges, yes, there may be a few branches that you've maybe done a little light shearing because you want to give it that shape for when it starts to emerge. But just remember that as the branching starts to bud out and those leaves take fold, you may have to go back with your little secateurs or your pruners and do a little secondary pruning because yes, one or two of those branches may not have survived. So there's still a little trimming that you can do on some of your trees. And if you want to give those shrubs a little bit of a shape, you could still do that at certain portions of it. That is something that is beautiful. Now, now the category is different shrubs too will awaken at different stages, but also too, and there's one shrub that I think in particular that you think that they look so twiggy and they look so brittle. It's the hydrangea. If you've grown them, you understand what I'm talking about. The stems come up and they look so brittle that if I snap them, yes, they sound like they're brittle and they're not viable, but you have to wait until that they actually start budding because there's a time frame that the leaves will start emerging at the lower base of the shrubs and work all of a sudden. They start budding all the way to the tips and sometimes not generally to the tip either, so you'll do a little pruning. But did you know that the hydrangeas will also come from the bottom of the ground as well. If they've been checked back or if they've been uh, winter touched a little bit that they're died back a little bit further, the viability is still in the rooting system that is on that material. So give it time, see what happens. And that's the also too is time is going to be a factor because even in your perennial aspect, If you feel that some perennials are not coming up, did it uh, have a demise over the winter? Maybe not. 
you have to think that the ground we haven't actively had some high heat that's happening so a lot of perennials have not wake waken up yet we were out trying to do some planting for some people and lo and behold in some areas of the garden yes put a pitchfork down about a foot 14 inches we're still hitting a little bit of frostiness that's underneath there so it is that season where things are going to be a little bit delayed on getting the bigger root balls in the ground you just got to be patient yes we will be there and because it is the year of the garden did you know that this is 2022 is a celebration of the year of the garden so it's the year that people are going to make their gardens glorious and it's just because we have the stamina that's in us even though our growing season is very short there's the power of making things just big and bold and beautiful and colorful is a celebration of 100 years of agriculture that's in there and that was dedicated by the Canadian Gardening Council that's in there so it's the year of the garden it's exciting and it's exciting because we see that our plants are going to be coming up soon now I'm excited because I start going off on this tangent about the different colors because I see the color that's in our gardens and I see it at the garden center so if you're not inspired by seeing what's outside in your yard yet maybe it's the opportunity that you can go to your garden center see what there is start to plan because I'm telling you everywhere the colors and the flowers are just fantastically beautiful all right we're gonna go take a caller right now and Rhoda's on the line hello Rhoda hello hi how Um, can we help you yes I have a cedar garden with a Medora plant in there and a pine and a flat cedar. Yep. And nothing wants to grow beside the flat cedar. So I was actually wondering if there is a perennial I can plant within those greeneries. Yeah. Well, when you have a cedar garden, there's... And how old is the cedar garden? I would say about five years. Five years? Okay. Yes. So... If it's five years old, um, it's a newer garden, so your acidic content in that area, unless it was already pre-exposed to having a lot of cedars growing in it, I wouldn't. I'd probably guess that it's not the acidic content that is really being competitive with it. Um, when you're planting close to cedars, and especially in the last two years, they are they love their moisture. They love and they're very competitive with other plants if you put other plants around them that are shallow or rooted so they will take as and rob as much moisture as they can that's on it um how much area is there planting underneath evergreens and cedars and spruce trees is probably not um advisable because eventually the acidic content will just not allow that to be conducive um aggressiveness is now is it sunny or is it shady it's uh has afternoon sun afternoon sun yeah because yes. if that's the case sometimes on the outer parameters away further away from them but not underneath them uh partnering with plants that would like to go in there there are a couple uh sun loving hostas that you can do but again it's not going to be close to them it's got to be further away from them and you're going to have to subsidize your watering uh favorable that's on it um mm-hmm. if you're wanting to do some low creepers that are underneath there's two as well uh, you can do some ground covers, but I 
specifically, I, and I, I've had a hard time growing underneath evergreens too as well because of that content that's in there. But sometimes there's a definition that you possibly don't plant underneath them, but away from them on the outsides. And it's even okay. to the point. Um, it's even to the point where if they go directly to the ground, it looks there's kind of elegance. But I've also seen um, you bring you bring to mind some areas where you know how we get evergreen trees that we start elevating the lower branches and nothing grows underneath it. But this could be opportunity where you could plant, um, do a cluster of maybe colorful pots and put some flowers in there to give that pop of color. If you're wanting to do something like that. Okay, how about some mulch or rocks? Oh, yeah. Uh, mulch, I would say yes. Uh, rocks, you have to be careful because unless you want to do a little bit of uh, work with it, and because your cedars, especially your tall cedars, and that sometimes give off uh, dropping of cedar uh, branchings. Like mm-hmm. you'll, you'll get needle loss, you'll get branch loss that's on top. So if you do a rock base, then just remind yourself that you're going to have to either use a leaf blower to get it off so that you maintain your rock look in your garden. That's when okay. the, the, le- the leaf blower comes in very handy at that time. Uh, uh-huh. But if you're going to do a nice colorful mulch or a colored mulch, that could also give you a pop of color. I know that um, on the landscape side, you can get some beautiful colored um, mulches, whether it is in a brown tones uh, years ago, there used to be a golden and a red color tone that's on there if you want to play on some of the colors that are off it. Or there's even some black dyed mulches, too, that make it look very uh, rich with that black, dark, mulchy look, which, in essence, is not a bad thing because around cedars, you want to give them and keep them uh, in sort of that moisture ground, and it would help to maintain moisture underneath when it is... Uh, you know, when it does dry out, it's, <laughs> that's not the case now because we're so wet right now. But yeah. mulch is beautiful underneath cedars as well. Wow, wonderful. Yeah. So okay. I think you would recommend uh, kind of put in a square brick and put a pot on it. Well, if you want to, uh, yeah, because I just find that sometimes if you're, there's a focus if there's a focus in a garden and you really want to do something with a little of a pop that makes you say, wow, that looks really pretty back there. And if you find with cedar gardens, if it's all blended and you want a little pop of color, mm-hmm. I always like yeah. doing either either pop it with a color in the pots and coordinate the flowers on it. Or even there's something beautiful by if it's in a shadier area with cedars, um, I know that you're in a more sunnier location, but even in, with a whole bunch of cedars that make it this clustered of uh, cooler temperatures, mm-hmm. it's nice to pop it even just with whites. Whites along cedars looks very pretty as well. Okay. okay. I, do have, I do have a problem with the juniper covering all my flowers, and it kind of doesn't look nice in late summer. Yeah, yeah. So with I was jun- actually wondering if there is a plant that will grow. But I can't it, find any. Is it the upright? Is it the upright juniper? That's no, that, flat. Oh, the flat, flat ones. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. if the junipers are going to be lower spreading. So if it's a lower spreading one, uh, mm-hmm. generally if you're pairing stuff that's around there, if you're wanting to go something that's within the parameter, uh, something that maybe that's low at the frontage, front of it, that would work. Yes. Yeah. Okay? Okay, thanks. Appreciate it. 
Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. And we're talking about, uh, I know that uh, with trees and shrubs and partnering and pairing with uh, plants that sort of go well with other plants. Yeah, once our perennials start growing. But we're talking about the acidic contact there for uh, Rhoda. And a lot of the, the areas that we have, our soil is a little bit more alkaline based. So when we're talking about the acidic content, evergreens really increase the acidic content of it. And in some aspects, some of our perennials like a little bit of acidity that's on it. They don't like that alkaline side. But when it does get very extreme uh, for certain areas, if you're looking, um, I was just trying to think of some perennials that would partner in there for the sunny sunniness. But uh, there is a one plant that you might want to go into. It's a little bit more for the shadier side, though. If there's, some, there's one called bunchberry that's in there. And I love, even if it's uh, after afternoon shade and early morning sun and late afternoon sun partnering and putting things at the edges of plants that works well uh your hostas like that acidic soil that's in there so that's where one of those things that you can place and it partners and it gives you that pop of color if again not underneath of them but at the parameters or the sides of them but just remember that and with hostas, they like that little bit of moisture. So when your evergreens are requiring that moisture, um, make sure you give them a little bit of extra. When our season does dry out a bit, everything is so wet right now. So we are basically staying out of our gardens until they do dry up. And at that point, with all the moisture that is in there, we may find that uh, a lot of the moisture is leaching out maybe some of those nutrients in the organic matter that we have in the clay soils. So doing a little bit of amendment that's to it. And I find that with our clay soils too, with all this moisture that's in there, it actually causes it to bind up a little bit. And if you're wanting to work your garden prior to planting it, once it's dried out, we don't want to be tilling it when it's wet. We want to be tilling it when it's dry. There's a couple things that you can add into it to help amend the soil before we're doing our pre-planting. Now, many of you may have done this in the fall already, but there is a product called Clay Buster. It's a gypsum base, and it helps to break down the clay composition of your soils. Now, I know in the Brandon area, they're maybe uh, adding it into some of the soils, but some areas out in that area are quick drainage, uh, fast drainage that's on it. But in that case, you would be amending your soils by adding in your uh, compost or some sea soils, some good nutrient-based. Some people may be even venturing into putting in some of the manures that are in there, but just remember, manure is very, very rich. It's very high in nitrogen, so you want to make sure that you're doing your ratio and moderation of how much manures that you're actually putting in. And if you have a buddy that's a farmer and he's got lots of it, make sure it's well, well composted because... Uh, if the manures are not well composted, they can actually cause burning. So that's one thing we don't want to do is cause burning. And it's great to even go through some of our uh, perennial beds and our shrub beds that have been there for a number of years and till up the soil when we're able to get in there. Till up the soil a little bit. Take a little bit of a garden hoe and lift up that area, especially this year too, because as the moisture is going to be very down, uh, 
down deeper when we're able to get in our gardens it's opening up that take the pitchfork lift it up a little bit around the drip line or around the edging and get some extra oxygen down into those rooting systems you will see the rewards of it the plants are going to take the plants roots are going to take these beautiful big breaths of that air after the moisture's gone and just come alive that's on it now one of the things that we um we were talking quickly before the question was about perennials, when they're, whether they're coming up and whether they are uh, sustained and are viable after this winter. Well, just remembered, like our trees and shrubs, they're going to be more evident on the top because they're going to break leaf on the old stemming. With perennials, they all come from the bottom. Now, you're going to say, well, if a hydrangea shoots from, a bo- from the bottom as well as the twigging, is it a perennial? Well, some people think that hydrangeas may be more of a perennial aspect rather than a shrub aspect. We kind of see it in two different categories. So if you don't think your perennials are up yet, it's too soon to dig them up to tell. Give them a time frame. Give them uh, a location. And that's where sometimes uh, in the when we clean up in the fall, we're giving a little bit of a tufting and leaving some of those indicators of those plants still being there. If it's not up in two or three weeks, then I'd probably say take a little bit of a garden shovel, lift it, and see it. Some plants have even surprised me where I have gone to my own garden and I've lifted them up. And lo and behold, the roots are so viable. They're still there. They just have not woken up yet. And maybe another week or two, yes, the emergence of them are poking through and they're showing their viability. It's also the time that if you're looking at your gardens, you can assess certain areas of where maybe you want a little pop of color. In our mind's eye, we see our last year's gardens. We see how beautiful they are. So there may be opportunity of when you're out and about looking at the garden centers of sort of seeing what is it that you'd like to see. And soon we're going to see a pop of color. I have a sister that's way down south and she shared with me a couple weeks ago some beautiful flowering uh, cherry trees that she has on her property and totally jealous that ours are not in bloom yet. So the stages are there and soon a lot of people will start to see these beautiful blossoms coming from the early spring colors. So have you identified or you know that spring blooming shrubs they're going to give us our first pop of color they're going to give us our first awakening that's in there so as we see these start to bloom you're going to start to see your cherry blossoms starting to come up you'll see the lilacs bursting and coming through you'll see rosy blooms they're beautiful when they open up and you'll also see some of the flowering plums they will start to bloom too as well. So these are targeted flowers that when you're driving through and you see that new emergence of flowering shrubs, these are some of the ones that you're going to see. The one that is very, very unique in tone is called a forsythia. Now, unlike all the other ones, where the leaves emerge first, then the blossoms follow suit. The forsythia gives us a little bit of a trick where it actually blooms first prior to the leaf structures opening. I know it sounds bizarre, but they're beautiful. And they're a pop of spring 
yellow. So if you're looking for something that it gives you that pop of immediate show, you're going to be looking for a shrub that's called forsythia that's in the garden. And these are the ones that are absolutely gorgeous. It gives us a tease, right? The announcement that if I'm blooming, watch out. Look what's going to be coming next. We have a caller on the line. Donald is waiting. Hi, Donald. Oh, hi. Hi. Hey. How can we help you on the Lawn and Garden Journal? I got a question about raspberries. I actually had some real good raspberries a few years back, and uh, actually I kind of killed them with some chemicals. So I got some new ones. I got Red River, and I'm not too happy with them. That's going back to the Boyne. Is Boyne one of your favorite, or what would you recommend for raspberries? Well, both of them are good raspberries. It's whether they're a, a uh, prime, like there's different types of um, raspberries that are out there. Like if you have Red River and then you're going, one of them could be a prima, like a um, what they call it, a primacine that's on there. So both of them should produce quite well for you. Okay. Yeah. One of them is a little bit more, uh, I think it's the, um, I can't remember if it's a self um Sorry, I'm self-fertile or not that's on there, but they're red raspberry. Both of them have high suckering aspects on them. Yeah, sure. So you, you should be able to get them. And then, then just remember, for the high production that's on that, you have to make sure that you're doing your pruning at a proper time frame for them to generate more, right? Yeah, uh, maybe that's I, my problem. I'm not <clears throat> pruning or maybe they get too thick. Well, if they do get thick, you have to... Like, this is the perfect time that when you're walking through your raspberry patch, um, you could tell which of the old canes are very grayish and brittle. So you could be pruning a lot of that out right now if, if you want to put on the rubber boots and get a little bit mucky that's yeah. on there, that's on it. But uh, I would be definitely doing a lot more pruning out of your branching that's on there to sort of see if you can encourage that fruiting a little bit better. Yeah. So how... Um how thick can they grow? Should you have, uh, like, just uh, growing them in small clumps? Because mine, they, like, it's a lot of work pruning them in that, so they end up being a big uh, clump, like it's about uh, 20 feet long and about 4 feet, 5 feet wide. Yeah, I would not allow it to go even further. Um, like, if you're keeping it a little bit tighter that's on it, because they will ramble. But, like, if you're starting, you remind me of my brother in Brandon where he had his raspberries where it just started up as a nice three-foot path, and now it's, like, six feet wide, too, as well. But uh, I would probably contain it because as you're containing it and making it through it, you're actually forcing the new growth that's on it. Now, when you go back to, like, you said you had both Red River and Boyne. Yeah, I had Boyne before, and they actually I really like them. They seem to produce uh, good. The Red River seems to be a little bigger berries, but I don't. Uh, I see a little bit disappointed. I didn't get as many as I would like off the Red River. Yeah. Okay. But it could so, be my land here too. The soil difference, where it's possible. Yeah, that could be part of it too. And also too, you have to remember when uh, things are fruiting, when they're into that fruit set, it's a. Did we get our pollinators B? Were they hit by a lighter frost where we may have lost some of the blossoming on our first crops of them? Because the, they, they should per, keep producing, right? Yeah. All the way through. So sometimes we lose the first cropping of certain things because it's affected by the frosting. Now, with Red River, I think if I remember right, I think the Red River is a primocane, which means um, it produces fruit on the on the 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 new growth that comes up from that year. Yeah. So doing a hard pruning on that is going to encourage 
uh, a lot more new canes to come up that you're going to get your fruit on. And if it is an older patch or a row, maybe by adding a little bit of more nutrients to that area because, you know, our soils get bound up, the canes get really thick that's on it. So opening up some areas, pruning things back, or sometimes even starting a new row if you can go to a different area. If you have a larger property, starting another area of it is beneficial too as well. Yeah. Would it hurt like if I got some boin and just had uh, two varieties maybe about 50 feet apart? Would they cross-pollinating or something? Would that affect them or anything? You know what? That's a good question. Um, I'm not the, the biggest tree person that's on there. I don't know if they would cross-pollinate. That's a question that I would... I'm going to definitely look up that up, but I don't think they would cross-pollinate. But having them 50 feet apart, um, I don't think it would hurt it. Yeah, sure. On it, you know, it would give you sort of this testing. I, it's almost like a science experiment where you have, okay, you're going to have this competitive edge 50 feet apart from each other, and it's going to be this competition. I could just see it now, which one outdoes the other. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> That's what I was kind of thinking because, yeah, I did like the Boeing. So, but maybe, like I say, it would be good to try it and test it. Well, if you like both varieties of it, it's nice to be able to have a blended portion of it because then you're going to have subs- uh, like crops continually going through against each other. And if you have the space for doing it, oh my gosh, raspberries are the best plants ever. And with the cost of in, uh, fruits going up, so it might be probably a beneficial thing to do too as well. Yeah, and I'm lucky out in the farm here. i got lots of all kinds of rooms, so there's no shortage of room. Just well, shortage of time to pick them, that's the worst. <laughs> well, shortage of time to pick out. You know, it's, yeah, uh, my, you just made me have a little giggle. My mom has a small lot, and she does have a small area where she's maintaining her raspberries. And uh, I must say that when the great-grandchildren have a chance to get over to her, I, I think she doesn't get out there fast enough to pick them by the time that they're picking them, eating them oh, at yeah, the same time. True. Yeah. Uh, who cares about a little worm on the inside now and then? We all survived, right? Yeah, and it's, it really tastes good. Fresh, fresh-picked raspberries right off the canes there. It's good. Oh, they, you cannot beat a fresh-grown item. Whether you're doing... Uh, you know, like fruits, like apples or any type, plums. Like we can grow fruit here in the prairies. A lot of people are amazed at what we can grow as a fruiting variety here that's on it. So, you know, even people where it, um, people think that they have to have large acreages to plant an apple tree or other types of trees, but we have to remember that apple trees, if your neighbor has one, you have a pollinator that's next door. Or for even small lots, there are some apple trees that are being bred like a combination apple tree where you can actually get three or four different types of apples that have been grafted to one main uh, trunk so that you have the diversity and the pollination between that. So you have three different flavors for your own apple pie or apple, apple jelly. So it's, it's truly amazing. Yeah, my uh, uncle once, he had an apple tree there, like he was into grafting, and he had four varieties on that one tree. I, that blows my mind. Yeah, it was pretty you know? interesting. It is truly amazing. And, uh, you know, like I go back to the trees that my dad planted years and years ago, the good old Goodland and then the Battleford apples that are on there. But even, again, the diversity of some of the apples that have been bred that truly are good apples for our, our areas. So it's a win-win. 
That's right, yeah. And the person enjoys it. I got one quick question. Uh, Boeing uh, raspberries, I have trouble getting them. Do you have them in stock now? Uh, you know what? Uh, some of our fruiting, yes, I think we do. If you want to phone the lines or uh, if you want to leave your phone number with the dispatch here, um, I can check and then we can definitely call you. But I think they are because I've seen blueberries out there, raspberries, and Boyne is usually one of the ones that we stock. But if you're a little bit distant, let me check it for you and we'll give you a call to make sure if you're coming this way. We'll yeah, I can, sure I can, um, I'll give you a call back. Uh, I can, or I can phone the greenhouse. I got the, the number here. I just, I phoned a while ago earlier in the spring and they didn't have any, but they figured around a long May weekend they might be getting some more in. So yeah, we're, well, I'm, we are building muscle here. We are unloading semis <laughs> to weekly that's here. Yeah. So we did have a lot of stock that came in. Yeah, sure. Okay. And, and one more thing, I'm, I'm the guy sure. that dropped off that fruitcake for you. Oh! You're, I thought I recognized the race. The yeah. fruitcake, I have to say, was delicious. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, I'm glad you appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. Okay, yeah, I better let you go too then. Okay, all take, right. Take care. Yeah, bye. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, everyone, to the Lawn and Garden Journal. I can see in my mind what your gardens are all going to look like and look for. They're going to look beautiful. We'll be back again on the Lawn Garden Journal next Saturday. Bye-bye, everyone.